Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, the podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And I believe, Jen Romolini, that if you didn't finish the revision of your book yesterday, you came very, very close. I did finish it. I finished Amazing. it. I'm so fucked up about it. It is so weird to put something like, like, also, I just... I don't, I, I'm going to be all over the place. I'm out of ADHD meds. My, uh, my whole, my whole <laughs> online scam didn't work. So I'm going to be all over the place. Apologies, listeners. Um, I turned it in yesterday. I had to go back in and this revision was about my editor saying, but how did you really feel in this situation? It was a lot of like, <laughs> what's a, can we have a summative statement here? Well, it sounds like you're kind of running away from the emotion. So It was further excavation, like even deeper about my workaholism, my ambition, um, my ruthlessness, um, you know, all all just, just the things you don't really want to look at my marriage, you know, and I did that head down for like six weeks. I didn't see anybody. I didn't do anything, no vacations, no nothing. Just every, basically every single day for six weeks, I worked on this book and I turned it in yesterday. I mean, knowing that I wrapped it up in a turd, like the last paragraph is (laughs) among the worst paragraphs I've ever written. There's like a phrase in there that I'm so embarrassed about that I even, that I can't believe I sent it off, but it was just like, I needed it out of my face Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm all messed up about it because also Mm -hmm. then when you work like that, when you drop out, it's just like, wait, what? You're so disoriented, you know? Yeah. So I'm super disoriented right now. Uh, and, uh, and, and like weird and sad and, and, and wild. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> like, should I, should I clean? Should I drink? Should I look for more work? Should, do, uh, do, <laughs> do I have any friends anymore? You know? <laughs> oh my God. So, um, so anyway, that's how I'm doing, but, but, but thank you for, for acknowledging it. It's, it's a massive, it's a massive, uh, move and wait. And now, you know, I think the book comes out next May. That's it. Like this is the last one. And now it just starts going in production. We start getting a cover and, and everything else. So amazing. Have you seen any cover ideas yet? No, no. But I mean, this is like, this is, 
some of this is the fun part and then then is not the fun part but the fun part begins now because now it like becomes a real book and like it gets yeah. a cover and like you know i get to write my acknowledgments page which is my favorite thing to write in the world and you know so that's all that's all fine i did it it's fine it's and just, a dedication have you given some thought to who it's dedicated to yeah i have i have and i, I kind of keep i kind of keep changing Kind of like, <laughs> I understand why people like, you know, dedicate their books to like their antidepressant meds. Like I, I get it. <laughs> like, because it's, it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. No, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it is. I can't imagine. Like think of all the people who will be hurt that you didn't dedicate it to them. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know. I just, I kind of just wanted, I kind of just wanted to dedicate it to my agent, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Thanks for picking me up from the the like sort of working dead and like <laughs> brushing me off and throwing me back out in the world when nobody wanted me. So you know, it's yeah. fine. It's all fucking fine. How's your week? How's your reentry? This is really reentry. This is reentry. This is reentry because I was gone long enough for my body to completely adapt. Oh, you know, to being in another country. I was gone for almost three weeks. So I had completely adapted. So the trip back was, was pretty hard. I was pretty jet lagged. Yeah. I didn't have my, I didn't have my stimulants when I got back. Right. Right. I have since, I have since acquired some from the pharmacy. Lucky duck. This, this, I know the stimulant shortage is just the absolute pits. Yeah. The absolute pits. It's (laughs) taking a bunch of people who are not that psyched to, you know, get it together to start with. And have them try to like, you know, put it together without the medication. It's really, um, it's like a cruel reality show. It's just like, can these, how can these attention disorder (laughs) people? (laughs) It is. Who will break first? Exactly. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. So that, that, you know, I've had reentry and then I also, um, in big, professional news turned on the payments for my um substack which means that some of the content is now um behind a paywall and i was pretty nervous about doing that i didn't know if people would pay for that which they received for free for so long yeah it's hard it's hard to ask for something like that too it's scary it's hard to ask for something it's hard but people have been you know for the most part because there've been some rant rant Right. But for the most part, people have been really great about it. And like, you know, your worth go, you go girl. Like there's a lot of like, not you go girl. Right. Like there's a lot of good for you for knowing your worth. You, you go middle-aged, you go middle-aged lady. Yeah. (laughs) Middle-aged lady. (laughs) Um, No, I'm excited because I know you're going to start releasing. We were just talking about this before we got on air that you're going to start releasing bits of your memoir. And I've read a bunch of it and I love it. I can't wait. Like I'm very, excited for all the people who are going to get to read this. Like, it's a shame it was never going to go into the world. Thank you. I think, you know, I was looking at a bunch of chapters yesterday and I was like, because I published the first half of a story that I wrote about a chapter that I wrote about how I got the job at Lucky. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll publish the second half next week. And I'm like, how much of this do I really think is worth showing to the world. Like you once used a, an expression I really liked when mm. you were talking about, not an expression, but you said, um, I think of my writing in three in three states. It's either in red light, which means no one can see it and it's shit. I die. It's in yellow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like yellow light, which means like, if I'm desperate, I'll show it to somebody, but really nobody, you know, it's, it's acceptable. Yeah. And green light, which is like, I am proud of this piece and ready to share. Yes. Yes. And I feel like a lot of what I could run and share on Substack is very yellow light. Right. That, that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, look, the, the, a lot of the revision I just sent out was yellow light, but I now trust my editor enough. I trust Kate enough to, to handle a yellow light situation. But at this point, you're a good editor. You could just edit that yellow light shit and you've had enough, not only are you a good editor, but you've had enough space. Yes. I've had a lot of space between when I wrote those things and now. And you could just make them short too. Like that, like the amazing thing about the Substack is it doesn't, it can just be, I mean, you can add images. There's just, it's just a more fun way to play with content. It's more fun. And I have like, there are so many more comments now than there were before. Yeah. People are, people are more engaged. It's easier to comment. It's easier to engage. I'm very happy that I switched to Substack. Now I just have to like make it work financially. Yeah, no, I'm proud of you. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that you're on there. And um, I, I, you know, I encourage everyone to go over and look at it. Uh, yeah, I've just been, I, I like, I don't even know how we're going to make a podcast today. Hi, everybody. Like I, <laughs> I've just, been I know working. I was feeling the same way. I've been feeling the same way. I'm, I'm just like, you know, what have I done? Yeah. What have I done? What have I thought? What have I seen? Yes. Some weeks, some weeks the answer is not a lot. It's true. It's true. Um, I had, I like, I have nothing interesting. I went into Alex and I thought we were going into what was like a normal sushi restaurant, but it turned out that it was like an incredibly fancy sushi restaurant and Uh the light kept changing in the room we were in. Like it was fine dining, but also it was like, it was like the room kind of was shape shifting, like the door kind of moved around. It was the straight, both of us are like, are we having like a collective dream? Like what is happening in this, <laughs> in this restaurant? And then the sushi wasn't sushi, but like it came in a wooden box with like several layers. And so you opened each layer of the box. Like we had a very bizarro night where we, we felt like we had entered a portal um, how did you, how did you learn about this weird sushi restaurant? It's on, it's on my walk between the office I work in and home and our kid was seeing the Barbie movie and, mm-hmm. and so it was gone. So Alex was like, I'll meet you. Let's have dinner. Woohoo. Let's try that new sushi place. And we walked in and then we were sat and we were like, wait a second. This is. Oh no. And you can't, and you can't get up and you're there for a while. And are they explaining all the dishes to you also? they explaining every dish. There's no sake that's less than $40. Like we have just entered into like fancy zone. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad that I had deodorant on, but like, basically I was just, had been working all day. Like it was just, Mm -hmm. it was just everything about it was wrong. But do you ever go through a time in your life where you're like, like that felt like a portal, but like a lot of things have been feeling like portals lately. Like portals into the past have been happening to me a lot. Like people reaching out from like the same job, like all at once, like I've been getting thrown back into the past a lot lately, um, sort of Uh accidentally. And I feel like that happens sometimes. And, you know, anyway, I, I, I have no idea. I watched a very odd movie last night, which is called fire of love, which is about these two volcano 
volcanolists, volcanolists, volcanoologists. Volcanoologists, thank you. Volcanoologists. I think that's what they're really called, but we'll call them that. No, I believe that it is what they're called. I just, it seems like (laughs) such an obvious, anyway, Miranda, it's about these volcanoologists, a couple who work together from like the 70s through the 90s. And it is an amazing documentary. It is their outfits. They're, they're like lava suits. They're this couple. They had tons of footage of each other because they took it themselves. And Miranda July um, narrates it. And it's super worth watching. Wow. It's super weird and super wonderful. Um, well, I do like Miranda July. And trippy. But that's like my only, that's my only, that's the only thing I did this week. Yeah, what did I do this week? I, I I didn't do a lot. No, I just didn't do a lot. I saw some friends because I got back. I wanted to see some friends. That's nice. What did you do? Where where did you go? Where where does one go with friends at this age? I forget. Well, I'm I'm fortunate enough that one of my very dearest friends, Michelle, who you might have remembered from the wedding, mm-hmm. she was pregnant then. Yes, um, she lives around the corner, so it was you know I had a visit with Michelle, and when I just walked over. That's nice and very convenient. Pleasant. Yes, yes. It's very convenient. She has two. She has a newborn and a two-year-old. Wow, who are just adorable. And one day I will write about our intergenerational friendship because it's a topic I think about. It's really good to have younger friends. It's good to have both. It's good to have um, old, much older friends and to have mm-hmm. much younger friends. I really do think it gives you like a nice um, balanced perspective because you can really get too much in your own mode and not realize how, how, how things are feeling for the others. Yep. I think that's true. I think that's true. It also just, you know, it expands your horizons. You, you know things you wouldn't know. You read things you wouldn't read. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's super true. Um, I, uh, I do want to say that I am reading a book. It's a book called time's mouth and it actually came out, I think yesterday and it's a novel. Um, it's a, it's a novel that has a little bit of time travel in it. It's by Eden Lepucky and it has a little time travel in it. It has a bunch really good family story in it from what I've read so far. Anyway, if anyone wants to read it, we're going to have the author on if, if, if you want to have a little bit of a, uh, and everything is fine book club. It's called Time's Mouth, and I'm enjoying that. I last night I started it, and I was like, "Oh, I can, I can read books again. Oh, this is ex- mm-hmm. fucking exciting!" And then like I started it, and then went back to Instagram because I, I'm I, my brain's broken. I know my brain's a little broken too. It's a little broken, brain broken. Sorry, guys. I, we want to show up our best, but this is what we got today. <laughs> well, we do happen to have a lot of pretty good listener questions, so we can just proceed directly to them. Let's do that. Let's do that. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea. 14 minutes in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Remember when we were doing the live episode and we were like, oh my God, you said we are five minutes in. And I was like, there's no way we're five minutes in. We've been doing this for an hour and a half. Yeah. And I had gone through every topic on my list, but we had raced through them so fast because we were scared. Yes. I think about that. I think about the sensation of that moment a lot. <laughs> Because I was like, no way is it really five minutes. And then I looked up and the clock was literally facing me yes. and it said five minutes, five after five after oh we had, we had 90 minutes to get through. God fucking panic. Um, uh, time has no meaning. Okay. Do you want to read the first one or do you want me to? I will read the first one. Okay. Um, short-term memory issues. Mine is so bad ever since the lockdown. Some kind of trauma response, question mark. 
<laughs> I read the question mark out loud. It's all right. Also, anyone feeling like they're living in the matrix, LOL, existential crisis. What's it all for? What's the point? This may just be a growing older and learn, leaning into the next part of life. Do I sell everything and travel? As an example, single 54 with teen headed to college. This is a lot of topics. It's all my favorite topics. Thank, thank you, single 54 with teen heading to college. I... I <laughs> I, I, I feel you on everything here, but let's, let's break it down. Number one, short-term memory issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both have short-term memory issues. Walked into a room and do it often. Walked into a room yesterday, totally forgot what I was go- looking for. Came upstairs from the room, was like, oh, I know what I was looking for. Went back down and did it again. Got lost again. I know. Well, I actually, I, I was, I was talking to a reporter yesterday and at a certain point I just had to say, I'm so sorry. I forgot what I was saying. Like mid sentence, like I started and then it happens all the time with this podcast. Like I have to write down my point because by the time I'm done with the sentence, I've forgotten where it was going. Yeah. And like, look, I think this is not serious. I think this is just the state of, of being for, for, for women, you know, people born, you know, female, um, who go through this transition. I think this is just a normal part of this transition. I think our brains may come back. I don't know. I hope. Well, I think, I mean, with both me and you, there is a little bit of weed consumption. That's like, yeah, a factor in the short-term memory. Yeah, no, I, um, I I had it. I had the feeling again because I got back in. I got back in with my fun my fun weed run, and last night I was like, "This is not doing me any good. Like this is not. This is not. This is not keeping me sharp." Let's say that. Well, if there's one thing weed does not do, it is keep you sharp, and you're sharp enough that you can still be sharp even when you're like you know going through a period where you are smoking weed. But it definitely doesn't make you sharp. No, like I love this whole thing when I was I was in the weed store because now there are weed stores on every corner. Right, right, right. In New York, and this guy was like, "Hi, I'm a writer, and I want to be able to be productive and creative." <laughs> And the people behind the counter knew nothing. And I was like, well, if you want to be productive and creative, you want sativa, but also that's not going to make you feel productive and creative. No, no. Because eventually it'll make you feel good and you'll take it so many days in a row that then your brain is just mashed potatoes. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really effective, like stupid a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a really effective shortcut to pleasure center right? Like there's nothing Mm -hmm. better, especially if you haven't smoked weed in a long time than having the exact right strain, having a little bit of weed and walking around and just being Mm -hmm. like, wow, the world is so beautiful. I'm having deep thoughts. I understand myself. (laughs) I feel connected to others. I feel a little loopy. This is a delight. Isn't that green, a really pretty green? Yes. Like, oh, now I understand what I, what I meant in that situation. Like it's so great. But first off, it's you can't do it over time because you build up a tolerance, and then also the high is not the same way, and so you always are having to take breaks. This is just my experience as like a really at this point thirty year pothead, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm really if I'm thirty two, and but the thing is, at this age, it just also I, it's making me a lot dumber. Like the cliff is is a lot more steep than it used to be. I feel like I used to be able to smoke like a like a blunt 
<laughs> like a like a blunt that somebody had painted with chocolate on the inside, put in a freezer, filled with weed, re-rolled up, <laughs> and then like two of us smoked it. I thought at that point I'd lost all my brain cells, but no, they came back. <laughs> I'm not so sure anymore. No, I feel the same way. So I don't, so yes, I don't think it's a trauma response. I think it's the age. Um, and also the matrix of existential crisis. I, I don't, do you, I don't know if you feel, I think you might be through that. Existential crisis. Like, why are we here? Well, I think that that there's a mid, the midlife crisis, which is very much, is that all there is? I think that there's a real, I think there's a time between your late forties and your mid fifties where there's a, re that there, that, that, that what we think of as a midlife crisis happens. And I guess it can happen at any time, but I think, it, I think it happens a lot within the perimenopause menopause period. And mm -hmm. I, I do think you start being like, wait, is this it? Is this, was this fucking it? I thought there was going to be more at this, at this point. Well, I definitely had, I definitely had the moment in my early forties of like, you're not young anymore. Yes. Like if you, I was driving in my car and I had a sports car at the time and I was listening to music and I was like rocking out. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, you're silly. This yeah. is silly. Yeah. You know? And so I, and that was very profound for me, like this feeling that I could no longer, it no longer felt right to do young things or certain young things. Yeah. And that felt bad to me. But I do think what happens is you reach a certain age and people start dying yeah. and getting very seriously ill. And, and that feeling of, of, of that feeling is just replaced by, I don't want to die, which we've discussed before. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Your great line about how at your age, all you can do is look at your neck and think it's a, it's like, when did my neck become a scrotum? And at my age, I'm like, I don't want to die. Yes. And I think that that, I think that is the difference in this decade, but there's also, you know, oh my God, what, what else can I do in this, in this, this, this body? I'm luck, lucky enough to be able in, to have this able body. What else do I mm -hmm. want to do? And then that can be like a catastrophe. Like, so then it is like, oh fuck, I want to move to Copenhagen. Oh, I want to go, you know, fuck a young man. Oh, maybe I'm a lesbian. Like then it just becomes like a wild, like just anything could happen. And I do, yeah. I do think in those moments, like remembering like the, the, the beginner Buddhism, you know, there is no better than here because ultimately if you're just racing and chasing, it's not going to, it's not going to solve any of your problems that all of this, all of these feelings are just going to come with you in whatever sort of escape hatch you've jumped in. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers this question at all, but, <laughs> but it's, but no, it was a big question. Yes. It was a big question. Let's take a quick break from some ads. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back! Okay, you go, you go next. Was your ADHD diagnosis part of your menopause and perimenopause symptoms? How do you get checked out for that? So I believe that I had ADHD my entire life. I think that I've always had it. I don't think that it was part of the symptoms. I, what my understanding is, is that hormonal fluctuations exacerbate all kinds of mental health conditions, including anxiety, including attention disorders, um, include, can, can include depression. The, the, cause the estrogen, there are estrogen receptors in the brain. And if your estrogen is, is plummeting, it affects your brain. So mine for sure got like, I think I had self-medicated my entire life with nicotine, with caffeine, with all kinds of things. And mine got so bad that they were debilitating, um, into the most intense parts of perimenopause. So I went to, I went to a psychiatrist. I mean, that's the short story. I had a, a therapist who was not an MD and he was like, I think you should get checked out for ADHD. And I did. And, um, I was diagnosed fairly quickly into, you know, one very long, very rigorous session. And once I tried the meds, I was like, whoa, okay, this could have been, this could have been different for 20 Mm -hmm. years. Um, so yeah, so that's the, that's the short or, or long answer for that. How about you? I've never been, I have never been diagnosed with ADHD. It is just my belief that I have ADHD. Okay. And I also feel like it's something I've had. It's just how I've been. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fine. I mean, it's good and bad. Okay. Next question. Goodwill consignment online resellers. What do you do with your still good, but somewhat out of style clothing? I'm in a bind. The older I get, the more I prefer to keep my look up to date. Yet getting rid of things that are far from worn out gives me a private sense of shame. Case of shame. Case of shame. Um, well, don't be ashamed to get rid of clothes as long as you're not throwing them in a landfill. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, it depends on what the clothes are. I mean, if you're buying all your clothes from Shein and throwing them away right away, that's not great. Yeah, no. Um, I give mine to, uh, like I give my best stuff to, um, out of the closet in LA, which is a organization that is like a, basically a vintage store that, that supports, um, AIDS research and helps fund, uh, queer communities. So that's where I give, like, I could sell some of the designer stuff that I give to them, but I'm hoping that they make extra money on it because also selling your shit is a huge hassle. So I try to find a charity that I think can maybe resell it uh, for, for some, and not the Salvation Army, because I think they just throw everything away, but I, I don't know if they do, but I, if the clothes are in good shape and they're worth something, I usually don't, I've never resold my, my clothes. You? I have, re- I have resold clothes. I have resold clothes on the real rail. Before that, I resold clothes at a store called Ina that was in 
Soho and Nolita and had branches around the city. I only, I haven't done it in a while and I only do it with the really nice stuff. And then the other stuff, like the nice stuff, but not nice enough to resell, will go to housing works because I think they do know when they get things what they're worth. Yep. Yep. And then um, the perfectly good, but not especially fancy clothes, I will donate to a shelter. That's smart. That's smart. The other thing is, is there's a lot of, um, there are like fabric recycling or textile recycling programs. Mm -hmm. There's one that I follow on Instagram that I can't think the name of, but I will put in the show notes and they send you, you have to pay, but I, I think it's worth it because of the guilt. It's worth it to stave off the guilt. They send you big bags and, um, with like, you know, shipping on them and, or, you know, shipping labels on them and you just fill up the bags and send, send the clothes Mm -hmm. to them. And they, and that's supposed to be recycling, textile recycling. I mean, all of it just feels so fraught. I mean, we all need to be buying less shit is the, is the truth. Um, but it's, it's, you know, you, you come up with the most ethical solutions you possibly can, I think. And don't feel ashamed of getting rid of your clothes. Like, no, not at all. Somebody else might like those clothes. Yeah, you're 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 paying it forward. Yeah, sort of. Okay. Next question. What jeans are we wearing this fall? Please someone tell me this. Beats the fuck out of me. Have you seen how big jeans are? Have you seen jeans how are wide? Really big. <laughs> I know. Big wide leg jeans. The biggest big, jeans I've ever jeans. fucking seen. It's amazing. It's it's amazing. I mean, I'm with the kids. I prefer a baggier jean now. I can't wear a skinny jean. No, anymore. I can't. I just, no, uh-uh, no. Doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. Um, and I think you can still get those, but the big, ba- they remind me of what we wore like in 2000, 2001, when we were all wearing those really low slung, really big jeans. Yeah. And they were like dragging on the ground, like the bottoms of them would get, oh, they would get so disgusting. The bottoms of them, like the dirt from the street and they would get wet and then they would dry stiff. Oh, (laughs) I remember talking to James Truman, who was my boss um, at Condé Nast and saying that I didn't think the women in that building dressed very interestingly, that there was kind of a uniform for each publication, Yeah, but that there weren't really fat, you know, women who were fabulous dressers and had a lot of creativity with yeah. them. He said, oh, but there's a lucky look too. She's got on a camisole. It's going off her shoulders. She's wearing jeans that are dragging on the ground in the dirt. He went on to perfectly characterize the look of everyone on that floor and the jeans dragging on the dirt. Really, we all thought we looked so cool. It was so tacky, so disgusting. Gross. And then a blazer, and then like a mm-hmm. then like a like a blazer on top. Just- <laughs> a blazer so that you could get away with the jeans. I saw a picture. I found came across a Polaroid. You know when we used to do like. They're surprisingly wearing the same outfit today. It wasn't called that, <laughs> but it was like twinsies. It was something. Anyway, it was like me and this woman from the photo department, Tara. Do you remember? I remember Tara, sure. And I had on this crocheted dress. And so did she also had on a white crocheted dress that day. And I looked at this fucking thing. You know that it had a giant belt on it that it absolutely did not need, but it was such a lucky <laughs> thing to just put a belt on anything. Like just put a big belt on and that was it. And so I looked at that and I was like, wow, that was a, that was a choice. Um, 
I think mother denim does a nice job. I have not bought the mm-hmm. pair, the pair that I have tried on a number of times. You know, I'm anti whiskers, but I am, I am a little bit right now, like, okay, maybe I could accept whiskers back into my heart. Um, I think the jeans that look good for women, our age, a straight leg with a little bit of whiskering. I don't think we need to wear these giant, these giant jeans. No. And, uh, you know, mid rise. I don't think that, I don't think I want to go low ass crack low. Um, and I also, I think high is out. So I think it's, you know, I think it's a mid rise. I think it's a, it's a straight leg or maybe a boot cut. If you look good in a boot cut, I don't, um, me neither. So, I mean, I think, I think in general, like if you find a pair of jeans and they look good on you, it doesn't matter what the trend they're representing is just buy the pair of jeans that look good on you. I think you're right. It's I mean, so yeah. hard to find a pair of jeans that work. You've got to try on so many pairs for the one pair that works. I mean, for me, it's going to be again this year as it has been every year, my classic jet black Levi's. I like them. I think they, they work with everything. I am wanting a blue, like a, like a very basic blue, not too light, not too dark, classic blue denim, straight leg, um, Levi's. That's what I, that's the, that's the other pair I want to find for myself. Um, for the, cause I want to wear them with like a pair of like lowish brown boots. Yep. I get it. That's, that's the look I want. And sneakers. I'm really into sneakers right now. There's a couple of like different kinds of sneakers I'm really into and they're fun. And it's like, oh, okay. I can wear cool sneakers. I don't have to wear like geriatric sneakers and still be comfortable and fuck heels. Yep. I love wearing my sneakers. They're what I wore for sure more than anything else in Europe. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. More than, more than, well, cause you know what? I was thinking about this. There comes a point where you're walking around the city in a pair of sandals that you're like, Oh God, I don't like this. I don't like my feet. Like what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was some of it. I mean, I had these platform Birkenstocks, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a modest platform, but it is a platform. So you don't feel like you're right up against it in the street dirt. Yeah. But it actually, the weather was just kind of cool where we were and it, you, I needed sneakers more than the other Birkenstocks things. Yeah. Or sandals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I hope we answered that. We should have like a jeans. We should have like a jeans, a longer jeans. We should have a fall. What we should do is a fall fashion episode. That would be fun. That's a good idea. I would like that. Oh, wow. How did we just think of that? Of two of us who worked <laughs> at a fucking fashion magazine. <laughs> the fuck is, what is wrong with us? I know. I know. Because we're both stupid now. Oh my we smoke god! Too much pot. I have to stop smoking so much pot. I really do. That is the that is the headline. <laughs> the funny thing, I'm I'm hesitant to say this, but it's true. The funny thing about the two of us is, mm-hmm. if you listen to this podcast, you think that Jen's the pothead. <laughs> <laughs> because I kind of keep quiet. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You're like, well, you know, I'm so, my clean living over here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. It's so funny. Um, no. And I keep the, with the weed, I keep trying to come up with like an excusable formulation. That's really what I keep doing. That's why I know it's a problem. Cause I'm like, well, if it's just like this kind of edible, or maybe if I just get this kind of joint and meanwhile, I wake up like a moron. Okay. Um, yeah. okay. Okay. Next question. Next question. Yours. What's the worst advice you've ever received? Oh, I know. I, I have two. I have two. 
The worst advice I've ever received has both been, well, no, no, I have three. I have three. Can I tell three? Please. One was to take a job that I did not want because everybody said it would look so good. Oh, well, you know, you can't not, you can't pass that up. It'll look so good. Like that was Mm -hmm. fucking terrible advice. The second one was to not take a job because it would look so bad. And it turned out to be my most fun job ever. Mm -hmm. The third, when my husband did not want to have a kid and I did, somebody said, well, can't you just poke a hole in the condom? Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, the worst advice I ever received was when I was thinking of leaving my first marriage and someone said, you should really think long and hard before you do that because you could be alone. A woman in her forties could be alone for a long time. Now it turns out I was alone for a long time, but I mean, it just like, that wasn't going to stop me. And I do think, I do think like if I had known how long I was going to spend alone, I might not have left him. So I'm glad I didn't know. Right. 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 No, I mean, people, people will, people will do anything to keep you in your marriage. Like it's true. Anything, anything. Somebody told me once when Alex and I were having a hard time and I was, and I look, I'm happy I stayed with Alex, whatever, but we were having a very hard time. And someone was like, I don't know, two divorces. Like that's not a great look. (gasps) Ew. (laughs) Ew. I know. I know. Two divorces, that's just two smart decisions. I f- fuck. I mean, you know, marriage is a scam. It's like in some ways, but I understand that it's economically sound. But I mean, it's tough. It's a tough, it's a tough thing. Um, okay. Okay, next one. Do you want to answer this one? Your funniest celebrity encounter? I don't know that I have. I mean, the only one I could think of is that one of the bearded gentlemen in ZZ Top once asked me to spend the night with him. Um, I mean, that's a good one. I've told all mine. Okay. The question is your funniest celebrity encounter. I think I've told all of mine. I think I've told all of mine. I mean, my funniest one I put on the Patreon, but since people have already heard it there, my funniest one is the night with uh, Vince Vaughn that I tried to pick up Vince Vaughn <laughs> in a strip club. That is, that is my funniest night when I literally walked up to Vince Vaughn in a strip club and I was like, what do you say we get out of here? <laughs> It's never not funny. It's, it's so- never not funny. I just picture you like somehow, like my 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 friend, my dear friend Romolini, who is a bundle of insecurities sometimes, and somehow like she just got the right kind of drunk to go to have all the confidence in the world to walk up to a movie star exactly. and ask him in front of strippers <laughs> if he wanted to get get a go go get out of here with you get out of here leave all this leave all this nonsense behind Vince Vaughn <laughs> I still I still get and he was like so it was like Vince Vaughn in Vince Vaughn's hottest it was like a couple years after swingers when he was just so like beautiful looking I still can't believe I did it and I still can't believe what a nice man he was that he he walked me out of the strip club and put me in a cab, like clearly knew that this was a person in not good shape. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> anyway, that, Amazing. that is my funniest and, and most humiliating moment. Um, okay. Should we do the money one? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I am interested in discussions around money in particular financial planning for women and regards to, and with regards to re- retirement. I feel that we don't talk about these issues enough, and I feel like I am trying to figure out what to do, slash think, slash et cetera, in a vacuum. Well, 
definitely people don't talk about money enough and they don't talk about it with women enough. No, no. Um, I had a revelation recently about this. So first off, I think we should do a whole episode on retirement because I don't think any of us fucking know what we're doing and like none of us. But in part of the excavation of this book, I was asked, my editor asked me, well, let's talk about money. You're not talking about money enough. Um, I realized how many issues, how much of emotional issues were wrapped up in my relationship with money. And that in order to take care of my money, I really also had to think about taking care of myself, which is not a thing I've mm-hmm. ever really thought about, you know, and that money has always made me feel anxious. But I actually started listening to this podcast, which I think could really be helpful for people. It's been very helpful for me. And it has a terrible name. It's something like, I will make you rich, which makes it sound like it's a bullshit. Po- oh, I will teach you to be rich. Uh-huh. And it is about, it's about the psychology of money and how we bury so much trauma in money that, you know, there's a source of shame for us. So anyway, if anybody wants to listen to it, it's been helping me quite a bit. And it's also one of the reasons we talked about me getting a job last week. It's one of the reasons I'm thinking about getting a job so I can actually start being smarter about money long-term. I've never thought long-term. I've just been like, oh, there's money. What can I do with it? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was lucky in that in when I was make when I had a really lucrative job, I I I I put a lot of it away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was easy but it was easy to do then. Right. It was easy when there was a lot. Like now, you know, I always tell people like put something away every pay period. It doesn't yeah. matter how small it is, just put something away and start when you're young. But like it's hard to do now. Do I do it now? No. 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 I haven't done it. I haven't done it since the last time I had a job, really, which is unacceptable at my age. Like re- the the retirement's going to come up so fast, which is why, you know, which is why I'm just starting to think about things differently, which is sad because it means, you know, it means that I'm probably going to have to do less creative work. I'm probably going to have to choose safety again. Right. And maybe I'll get to choose freedom again and then safety and freedom and safety. Maybe I'll get to have pass that baton back and forth. But you know, if you don't come from wealth, you know, these are all hard decisions. Yep. Freedom is never really free. You know, so it's just, yeah, there's a cost of everything. And I've been starting to really think like, where do I want to be in 15, 20 years? And I don't want to be broke. I don't want to be terrified. Yeah. I don't want to be scared either. I don't want to be scared if I can do anything to avoid that, you know? Yeah. So yes, we need to have an episode about money. That is a, we've, we're coming up with so many episodes through these questions. Okay. Um, this is a good question for you to answer. Okay. Oh God, this I is think. this just happened to me. Okay. I have my first formal interview in over 20 years next week. The questions are, quote, behavioral. Tell me about a time, etc. What's a standout question you've been asked in a formal interview process you wish you were better prepared to answer? I was asked, and this is not a behavioral question, but I was asked the specific, I was asked very very specific questions, follow-up questions about a project I had done that was relevant to the job. And Mm -hmm. I actually was more prepared than I could have been because I I had a sense that maybe because the new job was similar, they were going to want to know very specifically what I knew how to do. And, And so I looked up 
how exactly how had I done that? You know, what were the categories of it? What was the project like from beginning to end? So I think knowing how to talk about your work, what you've done in very specific terms and being able to steer that conversation in a way that shows your thought process, you know, how that project, how and why that project was a success and what you did to make it a success in Mm -hmm. highly specific terms, I think is something I had not totally anticipated going in, but I'm glad I had studied just in case. Jennifer Romolini is an excellent preparer for job interviews. I'm an excellent preparer generally. I'm a preparer for, I mean, not for like life, not for like my bank account, but like for something like that, if I'm going into like a speech or something, like I do a lot of homework for shit like that only because what we're talking about goes back to full circle too. Like I, my brain, I have brain fog, you know? So it's like, I need to make sure that I've really drilled in like those kinds of stats. So I know that there's a lot of behavioral questions that are going to come up, but like those you can kind of like wing you can't wing, you know, what systems do you know how to use and why, why do you use them in different areas like that? You just need to have. And I, I did. And in these last couple of interviews, and I was very happy I did because it also made me seem like I understand the modern workplace. Right. You know, which is important. Yep. Okay. Your turn. All right. Why were newsstand sales figures so important? I always subscribed to magazines and rarely bought from a newsstand. Newsstand was important for a couple reasons. One was because um, it was sort of like um, box office. It was a good. It was a good way of looking at like the publication's popularity at any given moment in time, the publication's covers, and what they're like. And then the other part of it is that. It's much more expensive to acquire a subscriber than it is to acquire a newsstand customer, which is free. Right. You know, subscribers like all of those mailers that we used to get, those packages with like a little tote bag in them, like the the premiums you would get for subscribing. Yes. All that costs a lot of money. Right. And subscriptions like it, it was, it depended on the publication, but lucky happened to be a pretty expensive publication to get a subscriber to subscribe to. And it costs more money than the actual subscription cost. Wow. In many cases. So newsstand was, I mean, that is my understanding of it, but that's part of why newsstand became so important. That's so interesting. Well, it makes sense because actually a subscription to a magazine, I mean, toward the end, it was like $16 a year or something. And like $12 a year. Yeah. yeah. Like they had to have been losing money on that, but then they just needed that subscriber base. They needed as many numbers as they could get because you could then get ads against that subscriber base. Yeah. I mean, circulation at magazines was always kind of a shell game. Yeah. You know, Lucky Lucky launched with something like 500,000 right. okay. circulation. Okay. They could they could assure through all these systems that you were going to reach 500,000 people and that's how they determine how much ads sell for by how many people are going to be reached. Yeah. Yeah, and um, then the, and so then the newsstand was important as another revenue stream because it was really the subscriptions weren't bringing in money. The subscriptions were to sell ads. So the two revenue screens, the two at revenue streams were newsstand and advertisement, right? 
Yes. And, and a place like Condé Nast Newsstand was, you know, newsstand sales were never a big thing. A place like Time Inc., newsstand sales was where they did a ton of their sales, like with m- magazines like People and Time. Right. Because they're, they're, that's like a very supermarket checkout line, last minute decision. Oh, I want to, I want to know about, um, you know, heart to heart. Heart to heart. Where did that come from? That's hilarious. I was just like the past. <laughs> um, um, okay. okay. I don't, I'm not prepared to answer this last question. No. Okay. So now we have to, well, all right. All right. Well, I think that's it. I, I, we have to wrap it up. I'm not prepared to answer it either, but we'll think about it for next week. The The question is, just so you know, and we'll think about it, um, Substacks, websites, and podcasts that we both um, subscribe to and, and, and why. <laughs> yes. My, my short-term memory is, is so short-term um, impaired that I could not compose that list off the top of my head. I need to spend time. No, I, I need to spend, I need to spend time with it too. So, um, but we'll bring it, we'll bring it to you next week. Um, okay. Thanks for listening to everything is fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it across the platforms. It really helps people find the show, especially Apple podcast. If you want to support the production of the show, We are on Patreon at patreon.com slash everything is fine. We do live events there. We do special bonus shows there. For example, I first told the Vince Vaughn story there. (laughs) We blog there. Um, If you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram at EIF podcast. We have a robust and private Facebook group. Um, That's all we're on right now, really. You can follow Kim on her ever-evolving substack, kimfrance.substack.com. You can find me on tinyletter.com slash Jennifer Romolini. The show is mixed and edited, edited, edited by Natalie Rivera, who we love more than anything. Thank you, Natalie. More than anything. More than anything, you're the best. And we'll be back next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love. 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.